his audience. He knows who he is talking to. Okay, so heads up, don't even bother trying to read ethics as your first introduction to his work. Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. This is the Summer of Bonhoeffer. Each week we've been diving into a different piece of his writing. And this week, oh my word, this was difficult to say the least. I had four pages to read and I'm still not ready to talk about this. I, I've i said that before here on the show, like you go back to the social justice episode that came out like late February, late February, early March. I wasn't really prepared to talk about it because I feel like this is a ongoing conversation and something that I am growing in. This, on the other hand, like I'm not sure if I have actually fully comprehended what Bonhoeffer was trying to say on the topic of natural life. When we do another round of Bonhoeffer in the future, I already know one guest I would really like to have on the show because I found out she is a big fan of Bonhoeffer and I'm a big fan of her. So if I can get her over here just to like geek out on Bonhoeffer like Pastor Will and I did, that'd be great. But I really think if we do another round, and we will in the future, that I need to find somebody who just knows the book ethics really well and can talk to me and explain like the significance of this book. It, it was good. What, we t- what I read this week to talk about here on the show is good. I just, I really am still not quite sure if I understand exactly what was being said. So with that in mind, let's just get into this. This might be a bit of a short episode. So for the setup, again, the portion I'm going to be talking about today comes from Bonhoeffer's book, Ethics. And as I have stated here and there on the show, to Bonhoeffer, this was the masterpiece. This was his biggest contribution. I know all of us would say, but bro cost of discipleship is like right there that that is the great one but this was the book that he was striving to work on the most and unfortunately he technically never got to finish it he was killed before this book was finished and so there are sections and portions of this book that are not incomplete but are sewn together through other writings of his to make a complete work. And if I remember correctly, this book didn't come out until 1955, which would have been 10 years after his after his death. So, what we have here today is the topic of natural life. Or the best that I could explain it from the title of the episode is this is Bonhoeffer on the sanctity of life. Uh, he, the editors put in the beginning section of this section <laughs> of the book that Bonhoeffer wrote this, wanted to spend time on the subject of natural life for two very specific reasons. The first reason is that the Nazis were obviously doing very horrendous things to humans 
and we needed it, he and believers needed to begin speaking out against said atrocities that the Nazis were doing the Holocaust killing of uh, Jewish people, disabled people, African or uh, uh, black people. Like we, the, the Nazi party had a very specific like ideal, the Aryan race, right. Um, And everything else was less than human. And so Bonhoeffer wanted to spend time talking about the natural life as a way to counteract what the Nazi church and the Nazi state was communicating, was teaching, was doing. But also because, and this is honestly the most interesting part, partially because I could comprehend it, but also not comprehend it all at the same time. He also wanted to write about the natural life, about the sanctity of human life, because at that time, the Protestant church didn't really have an ethic, an ethical stance on the sanctity of human life. There, there was plenty of Catholic teachings and Catholic writings on the sanctity of human life, but the Protestant side of the faith didn't really have much. And like I said, I could comprehend that, and I also could not comprehend that all at the same time. Because if you're like me, which based off of the demographic, I think the demographic numbers I see, I think most people would agree with me on this, that the idea that the Protestant church didn't have a hard ethical stance on the sanctity of human life at one point in time seems preposterous. Because if anything, there's entire churches whose entire missions in life is to fight for the sanctity of human life, is to fight against abortion, is to fight against pro-choice. You know, that like the idea that at one point in time we had nothing. And by the way, at one point in time wasn't that long ago. Again, the book came out in 1955. Bonhoeffer was working on this, presumably throughout his life. Ethics was always a big part of his uh, theological meditations. So the idea that even, what is that, 70-ish, not even quite 70 years ago, we didn't have a hard ethical stance you know, let's say let's say he was working on this section specifically in the 1930s. So you mean to tell me that even like 90 years ago, we didn't have a hard ethical stance on the sanctity of human life? That is baffling to me. Not because I think it's that significant. It is important, obviously. But like, as a as somebody who grew up in the church, even at a very young age, I knew abortion is bad we should be pro-life like the rhetoric is is shoved down our throat we had when i was in college we had chapel services that that was like two three days every year or at least one year in particular that was devoted to how to win an argument against someone who's pro-choice like the idea that at one point in time like we just we didn't have an ethical stance on this. And basically, uh, from what I gather from the reading from Bonhoeffer, is that Protestants 
just completely overlooked the subject. Because of the fall and everybody is a sinner, that's basically it. That was basically it for a really long time. We all know that the Catholic Church has very strong stances on pro-life, sexual purity. Like That seems to go back for a very long time, presumably, or at least longer than 90 years ago. I hope I'm doing my math right because there's some... (laughs) I'm going to sound really dumb with that. Um, Anyway, but... We were trying to catch up, and we Bonhoeffer found it necess- necessary to not just adopt what the Catholic Church had to say, um, but to formulate our own stance on it, which is good, which is good, which is proper. You know, I think it makes sense that the Lutheran wants to formulate his own stance separate from the Catholic Church on a theological thing. Cool. Sounds good. But also just to think that at one point in time, Protestant theologians were just like, just overlooked it. Almost like did not, I, I shouldn't say they didn't care because obviously I don't know the motive behind this, right? I wasn't there 90 years ago, so I can't speak to this completely. But goodness, just to think to be in that world is just weird, And I know I'm not the only person who listens to this show that grew up in church and can probably echo the idea of like, wow, at one point in time, this was like a non-issue. I mean, obviously, again, not trying to belittle the actual subject matter. We should care about the sanctity of human life. And Bonhoeffer has a very, actually a very broad stance on this idea, um, when it comes to the uh, sanctity of human life. Like, I'm not trying to belittle the subject matter itself, but, like, the world that we live in now where Christians' entire voting is based off of who is the pro-life and who is the pro-choice candidate, right? We overturned Roe v. Wade. Like, (laughs) Like, this is such a major battleground overturning Roe v. Wade when I was in school I went to I mean I'm the stereotypical Christian kid in America y'all like I was homeschooled I went to a private Christian school I was raised in church I went to Awana I have my Timothy award I killed it in VBS I won the Awana Olympics one year I I I went to a Bible college I went to seminary and I counted all as rubbish anyway like The idea of Roe v. Wade being overturned, this was like, you know, I don't want to say taking down Goliath or something like that, because that that has been ripped out of context and beaten to death. But overturning, having Roe v. Wade overturned, that was like, that was always seen as the big thing that Christians need to hope happens, but it probably won't. But if it ever did, man, the, the world and the universe would be so different the universe that's a very that's a big exaggeration Brandon but you get what I'm saying like the idea of Roe v. Wade being overturned was always treated with this like this is the battlefield this is the thing that we have to win and I'm sitting in my like you know I'm like a junior hire hearing these things so anyway 
like I said, so that's, the, that's the setup here is that Bonhoeffer spent a lot of time talking about the natural life, which is the phrase he keeps using, but also never ex- really explains what that means. So if you, that's why I went ahead and titled the episode Bonhoeffer on the sanctity of life. Uh, because if I just wrote Bonhoeffer on the natural life, I doubt very many people would have known. I mean, I didn't know what that was. I had to Google it. And it took a few tries to actually find a definition. Like Bonhoeffer on the natural life, not natural ice. That's a different thing. Bonhoeffer would not talk about that. He probably drank way better stuff. But this is Bonhoeffer on the natural life, known as the sanctity of human life, because the Nazis were, again, just committing atrocities against humans, against human life. But also, fun fact, once upon a time, we just overlooked the topic as Protestants and just didn't have a stance on it. After this point, everything gets very technical and very heavy. So again, this episode is probably going to be short because I'm not quite sure if I can adequately retell here what Bonhoeffer is arguing for. If I could summarize, as opposed to, I would say, maybe the common sanctity of human life argument that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are all made in the image of God, rather than focusing on the Imago Dei or Psalms that talk about how we are fashioned and whatnot, the the big reason why life matters, why human life matters, according to Bonhoeffer, is because Jesus took on flesh. That is what gives human life significant significance and sanctity like that this is what causes us to have value value that is worth defending value that is worth protecting against harm against the unnatural as he puts it in this writing it is because jesus took on flesh the natural life is preserved by god and is shaped by Jesus. It is not up to institutions to decide what that the value of natural life, the sanctity of human life, but rather it has already been decided. Which is a very interesting thought that it's like no matter how life is valued by laws or by people, it has already been decided that life has value and meaning and needs to be protected and preserved. Bonhoeffer also mentions here that the destruction of human life is actually a sign of the end times, which takes us to... Our verse of the day, which is Luke twenty one sixteen. This is a verse that he brings up. Uh, Luke twenty one's got uh, 
teachings of Jesus on the end of days. And in verse 16, he said, even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you. So the idea that in the end of times that even those closest to you will could be willing to kill you off easily that ha- that in the end of times we're going to see a decrease of value in human life essentially and i think that can turn into a very slippery slope i have heard people with my own ears say before that the reason why there are so many wildfires that take place in the United States is because God is trying to get our attention to outlaw abortion. A plus B equals C in this individual's mind. I have heard this argument before. So while, yes, we can see that there is a decreasing value in human life as we grow nearer to the end of times, we still need to watch and be wise in what we see around us and realize that maybe things could get a lot worse. I don't know. But also like the linear jump from there are wildfires in our country to God wants us to outlaw abortion. That is, that's quite the jump y'all. But it's this part where Bonhoeffer brings up Luke twenty one sixteen that we see his broadness in application here on the natural life. He's not just speaking, at least in this section, again, this is just a small snippet of a much larger and quite dense book. He's not just speaking specifically here of babies in the womb and when is a life a life at conception, at the quickening, at the, you know, whatever. Um, life begins at conception and all that stuff. That's not what he's trying to argue here. If anything, what he is arguing is all life matters and that to use terms we're more familiar with, to be pro-life means that you are pro-living. Maybe you could put it that way. Of like being pro-life doesn't just stop after the baby exits. That being pro-life continues. That we are about preserving life for as long as that life is around and this goes into you know pacifism right like pacifism chooses a path that is trying to preserve human life we're staying away from war we're not choosing to fight things with fisticuffs and battles and weaponry like Bonhoeffer is trying to formulate an ethic for Christians that chooses a path of basically nonviolence because we're trying to preserve human life because Jesus has taken on human life. And so therefore it has value. And this is all I can really adequately speak towards when it comes to this topic. So Let's go ahead and fill some of the time here with a couple of our bonus segments. First, let's be culturally relevant for a moment and talk about Barbie. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. I know that's quite the transition there, going from Bonhoeffer formulating an ethic on the sanctity of human life to a movie starring Ryan Gosling. Um, Claire and I went and saw the Barbie movie 
earlier this week, and I really enjoyed it. And here's a sentence I never thought I would actually say ever in my life, but I'm actually now interested to go listen to what Ben Shapiro has to say about the Barbie movie, just so that way I can hear a clear articulation of why people hate it. Because my takeaway was this, it was wonderful. It was all the silly, over-the-top meta humor I was really hoping it would be. But the messaging was really good. I totally expected to have that moment where it's men suck and I would just feel bad about myself because I'm a guy. But that's not the message of the movie. The message of the movie isn't men suck, although it does show toxic masculinity in the film. And the movie isn't Barbie was a harmful toy to girls' developments when they were younger, even though there is a deconstruction of the character of Barbie. If anything, the message of the movie is the patriarchy as a construct is bad for all people, no matter what your gender is. And for some reason, I thought maybe that could be a message that more people could get behind, but... I guess not. I think it was a very well-told story. I don't know what other story you would have told with Barbie. If you were going to make a movie about Barbie that was going to have some meat on the bones, this is probably the best meat on the bones. That wasn't the best analogy to use, was it? If you're going to make a movie about Barbie that's going to have a deeper layered meaning behind it, then this was definitely the story that should have been told. And it was told very well. I don't know. I have not seen other Greta Gerwig films, but this was very well made. And I am very interested in checking out her other films now. I know she is more of an indie film director. And that indie style does come out in the movie if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I would definitely recommend it. And if you do like indie movies, it is a very well-told Hollywood film with that indie art style at different points. And I, I'm not kidding. This is the best I've ever seen. Ryan Gosling, Margot Robbie was perfect as Barbie. And yeah, also Michael Sarah's in it. And if Michael Sarah's in a movie, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. And before we get out of here, how about a quick my life update? Kind of an update. I might, by the time next week's episode comes out, I might have a new job title. We'll find out. I had a very good interview this week. I don't want to get too much hype over this, but... Um, I'm hopefully going to be getting a job here in ministry soon, not pastoral ministry, but still a vocational ministry job, which is exciting to be out using my degree and also just getting out of the house. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to get too excited over it. I thought I would just share that all with you and I'm hopeful. Like I said, maybe by next week I'll be able to come back and say, Hey, I'm a this now. Or I won't. We'll find out. But the interview went really well. So looking forward to hearing back from them here by next week. All right. 
Sorry that this is such a short episode, especially compared to the last few episodes. If you do want more Bonhoeffer content, then might I recommend you going over and subscribing to the My Seminary Life fan club over at Buy Me a Coffee at the $5 a month or higher level. You get access to exclusive blog posts. And one just came out earlier this week. One More Thing is back. That's right, all you old school listeners out there. One More Thing is back and is now a blog post that will be coming out near the end of every series, so every couple months, where I give some of my closing thoughts on the series and what I think should be the next steps in light of that series. So the one for Bonhoeffer just dropped earlier earlier this week. And you can go check that out again at at least the $5 a month level. Or if you subscribe at the $9 a month level, you get not only access to those exclusive blog posts, but you also get a shout out here on the show. So shout out to you, Lori, for supporting the show. And if you want to join her, then head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash MSL pod, subscribe at $9 a month, or you can use buy me a coffee as God intended for it to be or whoever created buy me a coffee and uh, donate $3 per cup of coffee towards the show. Appreciate all that you have, all that you are, all that all of you are doing for the show. We should really end this episode. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't yet already, and please share this episode with somebody you think could get something out of it next week on the show we've got two i think two more episodes of the summer of bonhoeffer before we enter ancient greece we're going even further back in time we got two more episodes left of this series it's been a fun ride but it's time for the ride to be coming to an end soon but until next time this is brandon signing off remind you as always that theology is for everyone so keep on studying.